What's up, Videolanders? I'm your host, Brad Hawkins. Welcome to another AV Quickie. Also, just a reminder, if you like this episode, you can find more episodes at adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook at Adventures in Videoland. We are critics with attitude, which means this episode might contain explicit content. Anything goes when you're in Videoland. Sometimes you might get some inappropriate language, some locker room talk. So if you're easily offended, this might not be the podcast for you. All right, guys, I finally got around to watching The Devil All the Time. I actually had to write that down. I have a little sticky note over here on the side. I can never remember the damn title of this movie. I don't know why, but I want to call it The Devil Inside of Me, Devil Went to Town, Devil Always on Time, Devil Time, I don't, Devil Went Down to Georgia, like everything but The Devil All the Time. But I finally got around to watching it, and the reason it took me so long was because of the reviews. The reviews have been all over the place, mostly negative from critics. A lot of people on Facebook seem to be enjoying it. I've seen quite a few posts saying it's the best movie of the year, it's a must-see, but very mixed reviews from critics. Um, I have Rotten Tomatoes pulled up. It's currently sitting at 65%. Let me give this some perspective. My favorite worst movie of all time, Miami Connection. I love it. So bad it's, it's good. It's sitting right now at 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's four points higher than Devil All the Time. And then viewers on Rotten Tomatoes have it at 83%, which is where I think I'd put this. And uh, I, I will say, most of the time, not all, but most, I agree with the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. So I wasn't in a hurry to watch Devil All the Time. The low score actually kept me from seeing it on release day, which was, I think, September 16th. You know, there's so many TV shows and movies and comic books and all kinds of geeky shit to do. Video games. There's so many things to digest um, on the weekly that I don't want to sit down for two and a half hours and watch a shitty movie. Uh, I try to escape the bullet if I can. With that said, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, it captured my attention. And that's more than I can say about half the movies that I watch anymore. I just watched Hashtag Alone on Netflix has a high critic score. Um, I zoned out multiple times. Didn't care. There's a mountain of zombie movies that are better. It, it just didn't hook me. So yeah, Devil held my attention. I was actually watching it on my phone while I was getting a midnight stack out of the refrigerator. I opened the freezer door and kind of just put it on the ledge on the inside of the freezer so I could keep watching it while I was getting the shit out of the refrigerator. So it held my attention. Um, but after I watched Devil all the time, I started reading some of the complaints, and a few are valid, which I'll talk about, some not so valid. Um, I kept seeing a few criticisms that were consistent, and I couldn't believe people were giving Devil a bad review because of this singular complaint. One complaint was, Tom Holland doesn't appear until 45 minutes into the movie. That one complaint was echoed a few times over Twitter, um, popular uh, sites. Robert Pattinson doesn't even show up until after that. Um, a couple of people wrote, that was a very popular criticism. The big names don't show up until Act 2. And for me, that wasn't a problem. It's not a problem because I think the story is compelling enough, and the performance from Bill Skarsgård was excellent. The first act of this movie is his movie. The first act is honestly probably my favorite act. You need his story and his character, Bill Skarsgård's character, to lay the foundation for Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson. I think without him, this movie doesn't work. I thought he was brilliant. And even though Tom Holland isn't in the first act of this movie, his DNA is. And I love movies like that. 
But yeah, one of the big complaints was Tom Holland wasn't in the movie enough. Robert Pattinson wasn't in the movie enough. People wanted to see this movie because you have Spider-Man, Winter Soldier, Batman, Pennywise. It's smart casting. I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes Netflix's most watched movie because of the casting. And the cast is phenomenal. So stick around, guys. Spider-Man and Batman, they show up, okay? 45-minute mark, but be patient, okay? Um, Tom Holland, guys, really surprised me here. Uh, this kid has some range. He has an edge to him. Um, there's, there's a fire to him that I didn't expect. I think I was expecting to see Peter Parker. That's his thing. Um, but he completely disappears into this role. Um, I'm really looking forward to see what he does outside of the MCU. Um, I was reading afterwards that he was worried about his own casting and being in a darker movie like this. But he crushed it. He really surprised me with his performance. I can't wait to see him continue to grow as an actor over the next couple of years. Robert Pattinson loved him. He is quickly becoming one of my favorite actors in Hollywood. I talked about him during my last quickie. I thought he was great in Tenet, even though I was mixed on that movie. Uh, he probably gave my favorite performance of last year in Lighthouse. Also my favorite movie of last year. And uh, now he can add creepy Southern preacher to his resume. Uh, right now, Robert Pattinson is on a roll. Can't be stopped. Can't wait to see what he does with Batman. Uh, Jason Clark, I heard some people complaining uh, that he was too spot on, uninspired casting, that he could play this role in his sleep. I thought he was great. Um, I started thinking about casting, uh, maybe switching out Robert Pattinson for his role and mixing some things up. What would that movie look like? Jason Clark as the older preacher that has a thing for younger girls, Pattinson as the killer. No, nah, after thinking about it, I wouldn't switch. I think all of the actors played the characters they were supposed to play. Um, Sebastian Stan surprised me. I forgot he was in this movie. And when he showed up, I was like, is that Sebastian Stan? Because either he gained some weight or they're using some sort of prosthetics, but he got me. I actually paused the movie uh, to see if Sebastian Stan was in it. I Googled the movie and boom, there he was. He looks like Videolander Mark Markowitz. If Mark stopped going to the gym and just let himself go, it's his lookalike. I'll try to put a picture in the, uh, in the comments of this episode, but absolutely loved his performance. Loved all the performances. And uh, this movie was produced by Jake Gyllenhaal. So then I started thinking about what this movie would look like if he cast himself. And as much as I like JG, like I, I think the cast here is pitch perfect and the reason to watch this movie. Like I don't think I would switch him out for anybody. And Chris Evans was originally uh, cast to play Sebastian Stan's role. So it's interesting to think about. But Sebastian Stan knocked it out of the park. So again, I wouldn't change anything about casting. I think that's the big takeaway um, from this movie is the casting and the acting is brilliant. Um, now the downside is this is an all guys sausage party. All right. There's some female roles. Um, I thought the women in this movie did a great job with what they had, but that's close to nothing. All right. They take a, a back seat, uh, to the men and I can see some people taking issue with that, especially in 2020 being that this movie is so male centric and, and so male driven. But I think that's also a product uh, of the time this movie takes place in. It's 1950s. I think it takes place from 1950 to 1956. And at that time in our history, the world was very male-driven. So yeah, I really did like the casting, but don't go in expecting as a woman to, to leave empowered, all right? Because um, I've actually heard that was a complaint or criticism toward the movie as well. And I've never read the novel, so I don't know what has been changed, if there was a, a stronger female presence in the novel or not. I don't know. I haven't read it. But something else that I really enjoyed about this movie is the author, 
Donald Ray Pollock. Um, he was the guy who narrated the movie. I've heard some people take issue with it being heavily or overly narrated. I didn't have that problem. I loved his voice. I think his narration was a positive. And this was his first time narrating. He's never done any narrating. From what I've read, he didn't even do the voice work for his own audiobooks. So I thought it was a smart decision to bring him in to narrate the movie. Um, I think his voice sells it, probably because he wrote it. He, he understands the material. Um, another positive for me was the movie was shot on 35. I love old school filmmaking. Um, you can tell that it's like the difference between night and day, between something that is shot on film and something that is shot digitally. And it looks era appropriate, clothes, cars, the production value is solid. Um, it looks like the 1950s. Now, I will say, this movie isn't for everybody. This is a dark and depressing movie. Maybe too dark for a pandemic. It's no Bill and Ted face the music, okay? People want, I think they want light and fluffy right now. In this movie, everybody is a psycho killer, all right? There's no positive good feelings. Uh, I was joking with somebody yesterday at the gym. I think it was uh, Videolander Seth Fisher. Most of this movie takes place in a town called Knock'em Stiff, Ohio. Real place, by the way. It's worth a Google. But uh, they should have called this town Sin City. Remember the tagline for Sin City? Walk down the right back alley and, uh, and you can find anything. You get all kinds of of slimy, sinning motherfuckers in this town, or the surrounding towns. You get crazy preachers, serial killers, crooked cops. You get uh, 1950s Southern Jesus shit. I mean, I'm talking like praying in the woods, crucifying dogs, rape, more crooked preachers, more killing. I think that's a takeaway, too. Don't ever trust a Southern preacher. <laughs> this movie is dark, to the point where it's pretty unbelievable that all of these scary people kind of coexist together in a in a very close area. Um, I, so I do have a little problem with that, and I think they missed an opportunity to explore the, the, psych, the psychology or the uh, why do men do bad things narrative. Like, why are people evil? It just seems like people are evil because uh, they're just evil. So what's the point of the movie? Don't trust preachers from the South, all right? So I did have a problem with that. Um, but yeah, I liked it more than I thought I would. I was never bored. I was engaged. I think it's a slow burn that's worth your time. Uh, there's some fun little twists um, toward the end. All the characters kind of come together. Maybe a little bit unbelievable, like I said, but I was entertained. You know, I knew this was going to be a thin year. I wasn't expecting to make a top 10 list because everything got pushed back until 2021 because of COVID. But I'm actually thinking I'll be able to do a top 10 list this year. And I think this has top 10 potential, maybe somewhere around, you know, 10, 9, 8 spot, somewhere around there. Um, I don't know if I'll ever watch this movie again. It's one of those kind of movies. It's, I like darker movies, but this isn't one of those darker popcorn movies. It's a realistic kind of dark. Makes you feel dirty. Makes you want to scrub your soul after you're done. Very realistic kind of dark. And that's not something I can just pop in all the time, like Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange does a better job with like the narrative of, of why are people evil. Um, I'm not comparing the two movies, just both pretty dark fucking movies that I can't watch all the time. I never come home from work and tell my wife, hey honey, let's watch Clockwork Orange. And now let's follow it up with Devil all the time. All right, I'm not going to do that. But I think it's definitely worth watching for the uh, excellent ensemble cast, the great acting, I appreciate this movie being shot on film. I enjoy the narration. I thought they did a great job recreating the era. Um, it might be a little thin narratively, but I think it's better than the critics are saying. So go check it out. It's currently on Netflix. Go watch it. Tell me what you think. 
I think I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. I think that's fair. Anyway, guys, that's a wrap. Those are my quick thoughts. I hope you enjoyed this quickie as much as I did. Let me know if you agree or disagree in the comment section of this episode. What's your opinion? Does Devil deserve the low score? Does it deserve a higher score? Did you like it more than you thought you would? Do you have a hard time remembering the fucking title? <laughs> can we just call it Devil Time? Anyway, guys, let me know what you think. Thanks for going on this adventure with me. You can find me on adventuresinvideoland.com. I'm on Instagram, but the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. You've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, my good people, you motherfuckers need Jesus. Peace out. Yeah.